Everybody's going for those kinky boots, kinky boots. Kinky boots, it's a manly kind of fashion that you borrowed from the brutes. Borrowed from the brutes. Kinky boots. Hello everyone, and a very warm welcome to another edition of Kinky Boots. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. This week we are looking at Series 1, Episode 14 of The Avengers, The Springers. This was written by John Whitney and Jeffrey Bellman. It was recorded on the 11th of May 1961 and transmitted on the 13th of May 1961. As the weeks rolled on, they were broadcast to more and more of the regions. This was broadcast in the ABC Anglia, ATV, Southern, Tyne Tees, Television Wales and West, and Ulster, and also Western TV as well, I've forgotten that, that one. It's on Volume 3 of the Big Finish Lost Stories. There's only one publicity still for this. It's a portrait of Margot Andrew, which actually was a stock publicity portrait, not from the episode at all. But there are 84 telesnaps, and those were used as the basis for the reconstruction by Alan and Alice Hayes, and that's on the Studio Canal DVD box set. But there is a full synopsis and script, and that was the basis of what we're listening to this week, which is the Big Finish adaptation, because unfortunately, this is yet another of the TV episodes that is missing. Simon, do you have a pricey for us? I do. And again, this is taken from Dave Rogers' book, The Ultimate Avengers. If you have the money, escape from prison is easy. Steed wants to know how, so he sends Dr. Keel inside. Keel's information leads Steed and a young female agent to a finishing school, but Steed's cover is blown and he is captured. His partner informs 110, who is loath to mount a rescue attempt in case this jeopardizes the mission. Keel arrives after a successful escape, but he is also exposed as an imposter. Investigating the escape route nearly spells the end for the Avengers, but Steed's quick thinking leads them to outwitting a gang leader, Neem, and his associates. All right, Warder, you can lock him up now. I'm done with the prisoner. So he winds up here. Maximum security. And no need to introduce yourself, Dr Fenton. Quiet one, isn't he, Straker? Apparently. You watch out, Doc. We don't want no trouble. Not the tricks you've been up to at the moor, understand? You just be careful. There's two of us and only one of you. Don't you forget that. Who's he, Straker? What's he done? The great dodge artist breaks out of all the cages. The quack with the itchy feet. Well, here's one cage you ain't going to break out of. This is the end of the line. No kidding. Real slippery, that one. Just about as slippery as you can get. No kidding. But why put him in here, Straker? Ain't we crowded enough in here, ain't we? Yeah. We're crowded. But we don't have to stay that way. What do you mean, Straker? What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do we think of this one? It felt like an episode of a different show. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. There was no Avengers quirkiness. The prison stuff didn't really fit with the the general feel of the Avengers. It was just a bit... Well, to be honest, the prison stuff confused the hell out of me because 
Keon just sort of gets out of prison, unless I've turned over two pages at once. I know he'll have been in there as a plan, but he sort of pops in and out of prison, and there's no real explanation given for it. I've got to admit, I zoned in and out of this hey. one. It didn't grip me at all. No, I, um, I, I can't agree with that, I'm afraid, because there's the whole thing about how the the prison guard comes to his room, sends the other two prisoners out, and then, then does the whole change uniforms, um, knock me out and make it look convincing. You've got five minutes to get to the garden and then get over the wall. The getaway car will only stay f- for two minutes after the alarms go off. No, there, there was quite a bit of detail about the, uh, about the escape. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't entertaining, but there was that detail in there. Yeah, it was just one that I zoned in and out of. And I'm disappointed after the past few that we've had. And we've had a really good run of good stories. Mm. This one disappointed me, I'll be honest. The other thing about the bit in the prison and the other two prisoners that he's locked up with, and one of them is a sort of wannabe tough who just comes across as a bit ineffectual. The other one was played so irritatingly. It was all, oh, no kidding, no kidding. The most exaggerated response I got out of this episode was the irritation at that character because he was just nails down a blackboard. He was awful. And whether that was was direction, whether it was the acting, but it's one of the few times that I've come to these audios and thought, that's a really badly played character. Well, although these plays are, they were released across different volumes, the Big Finish stuff was not released in transmission order. This one, again, chronologically, it's another Nick Briggs episode. And I feel like I've just had a constant dig at this man. I really don't mean to, but uh, he was Dr. Fenton. But he was also one of the the prisoners. And uh, he's just got too recognisable a voice. It would be the equivalent of having Michael Caine in, you know, a series of radio plays that were all connected, but trying to play different. It's never going to swing. Now, I get the sort of cost-saving exercise of having members of the production staff as extras, minor supporting characters, but you just cannot get away with it. Uh, Gary Russell, years and years ago, uh, when he was main producer of the, the Big Finish Doctor Who stuff, he hated doubling up. And I've got to say, I'm singing from the same sheet on this. I really, really don't like doubling up in plays, particularly on the radio, because unless you get yourself a really skilled actor or actress, it is going to be noticeable. And I'm afraid... And we're talking Nick Briggs. I am not going to go down that route yet. Bastard, but but when you've got somebody, I think he's perfectly competent, but I don't think he's anything more than that. And I think you need more than competent to express the kind of vocal range that you need to be doing the number of different characters that he's doing. Um, It's just not easy. There's a reason he hides behind a ring modulator. It's harder than you think disguising your own voice. Yeah, I I have, I have no doubt about that, and I have no doubt that. I know fine rightly acting is a skill. I know fine rightly that audio acting is a a different subset of that skill. I just don't think he's very good at it. He's you know, just way too recognisable. There's no getting around it. And this would be this would apply to other actors as well. When you've got a recognisable voice, you can do your level best to disguise it. We still know it's you. And there are people who are wildly enthusiastic about what they do. doesn't necessarily mean they're actually any good at what they're doing. And I, I don't think he's bad. 
I just don't think he's as good as he seems to think he is. Well, there are, there are hundreds, thousands of actors out there that would do a part like that. And, you know, the, the going rate. Nick Briggs will not have done that for free. He will have been paid apart for doing that role. I imagine, because equity rules frown very, very strongly on uh, actors doing parts for free because that's taken a job from somebody else. So you've got out there any number of people that would take on those roles. And they should be being given to those roles. Big Finish are the biggest audio producer in the UK right now. I know this is now a good few years in the past when these were made, but broaden your horizons. Stop recycling. Getting back to the play itself, there was one bit that I really did like. Because Steed and Groves, they go and have a chat. (laughs) And they start referring to naval men preferring gin. There's a very sort of detailed conversation about, you know, no, Ango goes in first, speaking about bitters, just a spot of water and a pipe. Chug a log, down the hatch. Let me get you a little sherry. I've brought young Melanie's secondary school report. Splendid. Your sherry. No, no, no. Oh, how silly of me. Of course, you naval men prefer gin. Definitely. I believe I have some. Pink? Of course. Angostura. First, please. Water. Just a spot. Steady as you go. Your health, Commander. Chugalug. <laughs> now that bit. Chugalug, I think we should adopt. Uh, well, I mean, you can. Chugalug. That was one bit I did like, but it was about the only thing that pricked my ears up because it was about bloody gin. I can't nail down what I don't like about this one, but it, I think you've hit the nail quite hard there, actually. It felt like a, an episode of something completely different. And at the end of the day, why was Keel the one that was going in to do the, the undercover stuff? Because he, the whole point of the series is he's not a professional agent. Well, you say that, but by this point, and we've seen this in the past few episodes, Keel has by this point really got his teeth into this espionage thing and spying it was a few episodes back sort of when we did uh, please don't feed the animals that was sort of the tipping point where amateur keel started relishing these calls from 110 and steed to get involved yeah. but there's a big difference between getting involved in something that takes up a bit of your time and putting your life and your professional life on hold for weeks at a time which is what this undercover would take um, and just expecting dr treading to take over i mean keel must have some phenomenal blackmail photos possibly involving goats um <laughs> to keep treading basically doubling his workload without saying well you really are taking the piss and i'm not doing this anymore in this particular case, yes, you're quite right, because this would have not have been, uh, I'm going to have tomorrow off, see you Friday. Yeah. This was, and I don't care how good your makeup is, makeup for a scar is not going to stick on for as long as that needed to. And if you're sharing a cell with two other people, there isn't any facility to do a quick touch-up. You hope. So. Filthy, filthy <laughs> man. Shall we rate this? How many masterminds are we giving this thing? It'd have to be pretty bad for me to give it a one. I didn't enjoy it at all, but Big Finish have 
They've done the best they can with an existing script, so this is not Big Finish's fault. It's just dull, a bit disjointed, couldn't really get a hold of it. I'm going to give it two. Yeah, I'm giving it a two as well. I Like I said, this felt like an episode of a different show. I'd agree with that, yeah. There wasn't any lightness, there wasn't any sort of quirkiness and whimsy. And Okay, there hasn't been a huge amount of that up until now. But it's not been as grubby as this. And as I say, this felt like a different show. Unfortunately, forced to concur. Yeah, not a high point, I'm afraid. The thing that we haven't talked about is alumni. Oh, of course. Well, who is in this? I I could only find two Who alumni. David Webb played Leeson in Colony in Space. We'll see him again in the New Avengers. And he turned up in an episode of The Champions. Donald Morley played Jules Renan in The Reign of Terror. He had quite a career, appeared in episodes of The Freewheelers, Doomwatch, Out of the Unknowns, The Champions. He was the station master in the 1957 version of The Railway, Ch- Railway Children. I think that's the one with Annika Wilson. Yes, that's right. Um, he was in the Dibuk, which is a very early live play from... Is it Jewish mythology that the the Dibbuk comes from? Um, but it, it was a, a fantasy play and one of the one of the earliest BBC telefantasy things. Uh, he was Mister Slocum in Grace and Favor, and he was was a regular in the BBC soap Compact. Barbara Evans we've previously seen in Ashes of Roses. Michael Forrest will crop up another couple of times in The Avengers and also appeared in Callan, Strange Report, UFO, Doomwatch and The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, among other things. Ian Astley played the police inspector in three episodes of Quatermass in the Pit. Anne Saker was in the Out of This World episode, The Immigrant. And Charles Sainor was in Doomwatch, which was his last credit. Quite an extensive list there. Hmm. So on that note, boys and girls, we shall sign off. Next week, we will be back with episode 15, which is The Frighteners. And this one does exist. So we'll be doing a comparison between the TV version and the Big Finish version. Until then, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. Bye now. They'll be back. You can depend on it. Kinky Boots featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, with thanks to Studio Canal, Big Finish Productions, and Alan Hayes. Title music was performed by Honor Blackman and Patrick McNee, and the program was produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit MaverickProductionsUK.blogspot.com or find us on social media.